Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to Cultural Stew, episode 16 for the week of July 15th, 2018. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am here with my co-hosts, Tony Carter and Valerie Vidmar. That's our sweet 16. Sweet 16. It's getting old. (laughs) How is everybody? Good. Good, good. Good. I mean, that that, that sounds really (laughs) vague. Yeah. Uh, It's been... Three weeks, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We we skipped last week to uh, take care of some personal stuff, and we are back. And so, three weeks since our last episode. So we should be well rested, but I don't feel well rested. <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> and Tony, are you well rested? I'm always well rested. You you've had the kids home for your wife. Probably three. is not well rested. Well, I mean, um, Sebastian came. So last episode, yeah. I had to skirt out a little early because Sebastian was on his way. So the water had not broken officially, but he was making headway. He's a good boy. He's a little fussy. I don't think he likes the heat all that much. But Sebastian Osei is here. So Yay. Well, yeah. what will probably end up happening is you'll end up with a kid that loves summer heat uh, because he's born in the middle of summer. Can only hope. And he'll I, love summer sports. See, I don't like, I was born August 23rd. I don't like summer. I like winter and fall. I like that. You're just an abomination yeah. and weird. <laughs> <laughs> my hockey and soccer. My, but. my birthday was in the dead of winter. Mm. I'm a groundhog, February 2nd. So my birthday parties were always like, okay, what are we going to do? It's the dead of winter. Well, now we have to worry about Marnie. Marnie's born in February 22nd, so we can probably share ideas about what to do in the wintertime for three-year-olds next year. So. Well, yeah, we did. We've done. I mean, Zoe's in December, so Zoe is in December, and uh, there we go. Hello, <laughs> sorry, uh, I was in a tunnel earlier, uh, and then Harper's in October, but she's near Halloween, so that, that's kind of cool. So you had a new baby in town. I do have a new baby. I did some writing. Actually, I seem to write, like I said before, I write well under pressure. So I finished the first act of my screenplay, about 26 pages. Um, now I have to go through and um, fix it, and then I can move on to act two. Um, that's always exciting. Um, and I did some kite flying. The weather's been kind of nice where it's breezy, and I've been with my daughter showing her how kites fly, and we've been using gloves because the screen gets kind of did zippy. Did you make it? I did not. I bought it at... Um, Christmas tree shop because I wanted to just have something fast and instant to do with her versus. Is it a is it a box? Or it's is not. It a, it's a um, what do you call that? It's a diamond. So diamond. So, but it's I mean simple. It's something that she can take out, put together herself with me, and That's we can fun. just go flying. And that's when she's nice. older, we'll do you know DIY kites. And that's actually a great idea. Where do you go to fly it? We moved, and there's a park kind of field right behind our apartment so we just go across the road and there's the park and there's no lines no trees just open space perfect 
So he had a kid, and, and uh, notice that little slide underneath. He also moved. Yeah, yeah. I moved oh, to the townhouse. <laughs> I yeah. I, I didn't figure this out until he had an air conditioner given away the other day, and I said, "You have to pick it up at our old apartment." Apartment. I'm yeah. like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> we do crazy things in the Carter household. We had a baby, and then that same week, we were well, me, I was my friends. We were moving all of our stuff from the old apartment to the new townhouse, and. We're still have to clean up the old apartment. We're out by the end of this week, but uh, wow, we do crazy things. We just use the energy we have, and we're all adjusting quite well. We like the central air. I was going to say oh, you, yeah. you couldn't have picked the move at the better time. It's all my wife, Grace. We're, that was all her idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are now in Rochester. We're on day nineteen of plus eighty degrees. It was hot in a row. So it's because people in Kansas will laugh at this because. Yeah. Kansas goes, uh, they will say, oh, this is plus, you know, 30 days of over 100 degrees. I don't like heat. I like cool. I like fall. I like winter. Not so, because of hockey. I just like cool. We like so. fall. We're right. fall people. But the trees here are gorgeous too, so I can't get over the trees. Every year it's like I'm, Jason's like, we've been here. I know. <laughs> but I have to go take more pictures of trees. That's okay. Valerie. Yes. Three weeks of girls out of school. Yeah. And then when we put them in camp. Hmm. So they're, they're in camps now, which um, has been nice. And then because uh, um, Zoe particularly doesn't do well unless she has some type of uh, schedule. And uh, so we were, they actually, we were only out of camp for like two weeks and then um harper did her first writers and books camp and zoe's gonna do she's super excited because um she got into two hogwarts camps this year wow Hmm. so um that was really cool one was closed and then she was on the wait list so she got a wait list pick so that was fun that was exciting and then uh and then i decided to you know, actually, this is so weird. So I walked into Writers and Books, and then a woman turned around, uh, Sally, who runs the children's uh, writing department, and I said something about how I need to get back into writing. I hadn't written for a long time. And she's like, oh, there's this, you know, new class you might be interested in. I did all I heard was hermit. That's kind of all I heard. And I went home and looked it up, and I saw the hermit, and I didn't really read it. I just saw that it was, I I was like, okay, well, okay, Thursday nights, I can do that. So I signed up for one. I haven't been in a writing class for, mm, I'm going to say close to two years. And I haven't written in, mm, I don't even want to say, probably Mm. close to a year. Mm. And so, um, like really written. So I went in there, and then the same day, my friend contacted me from Lawrence Rhonda, and she said, "Oh, there's this great uh, it's like a it's a conference that's in Vermont, and she is going to be part of it. She's going to be a teacher there." So I signed up for that. I woke Jason up. I was like, "Do you mind if I go to Vermont in October?" Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
do we have to do this now? I'm like, well, yeah, because this is the last day you get the good price or whatever. So I'm doing that Power of Words conference. And so then we went back to the class. I said Lawrence, Kansas, and the, one of the women said that the, the woman who is, who is running the Power of Words conference is from Lawrence, Kansas, which is so <laughs> random. And then my teacher graduated, got well, actually got her MFA, I believe, from Goddard uh, College, which is where I'm going. Isn't that weird? Fun. Just like all these little connections. So obviously the universe was – the universe is trying to – is pushing me a bit. You're lamenting of not writing for a year. I don't think I've written since 2001, 2002. Wow. It's been a long time. I mean I write journal entries but nothing – Creatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this hermit crab essay, if anybody's interested uh, in trying to get themselves started, the hermit crab essay, just look it up. It's – really really cool it's a great way of getting your brain to go into so many different places that it will start turning again fun uh as for me um i was up on whiteface mountain for a couple days covering shoot up there then came back down from there and uh (laughs) covered the world premiere of uh, Anne of Green Gables folk rock musical over at Mary Ground or How Finger Lakes. It? it was awesome. Cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, the photos have been getting a lot of traction everywhere. I mean, <clears throat> getting tagged. And it's pretty cool to be part of something that's like a world premiere. That is cool. Um, and uh, because those pictures get seen beyond that. And there's tons of talent in there. I mean, like the choreographer is the choreographer, is the choreographer of Hamilton, his resident choreographer of Hamilton. Hmm. Seri- Seriously? Yeah. And like the uh, lead That's male who plays Gilbert just came off of Les Mis. Um, wow. And like, so you just go down these credits and you're like, oh, yep, they're just That's from Broadway. Cool. They're just from Broadway. They're just from Broadway. So you just have all this talent Welcome. merging in Auburn, New York for a world premiere of a show. Well, I don't get congratulated. I just took the photos. Well, so what? You can get congratulations for that. And then uh, that and also had a chorus line the same week. Did a video promo for them. I went They're to see that summer intensive with the youth. That I went to see that last night with Kendra, and uh, it's fantastic. I was blown away. It's really great. So, um, and that you know you got Danny and Lonnie doing the directing and choreography mm-hmm. uh, duties there, and then it just kind of shows you like the level of talent we have in the city between the colleges and it really, schools. It really does. Um, because they're high school kids. There's high, they're high school kids through high college. High school kids mixed with college, college kids. College and um, right after college. Yeah. And it's amazing. Some great stuff. So it's been a, it's been a fun week and just trying to do that and then get some house stuff done. I had a little bit of vacation. So during that vacation of trying to get all the photo stuff done, I actually was trying to get house stuff done. And uh, House stuff is always getting done. It's just always it's a, eh, it's a non. There there becomes thing. a point in time when I stop doing house stuff. We did but it's for just like right years. now. It's like it was the perfect time to start working on projects and trying to get stuff started. So we did that. So cool. Well, let's move on to the news. What big stuff happened over the last three weeks? 
Well, I can say something very quickly. Uh, the Downton Abbey movie has been confirmed. So Woo-hoo! I'm excited. Or as it said to my wife, the Downtown Abbey. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time, but I mean, I'm excited. So that's exciting. That's my. Is it everyone? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Good. So, good. 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 I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm sorry. I'm. A- we're, we're Downton. I, I'm not a Downton person. My wife is. It took me a while to get into it. So, but you, you can tell because I call it Downtown Abbey. <laughs> I, I thought that's a little, when I first saw the title of it, I was making fun of my sister-in-law about it and said, "Why is it Downton? Is it is that the accent? They forgot to put a W." She said, "No." And that's the yeah. name of the town, right? Or the the uh, Abbey itself? Just Downton. Yeah. Downton. yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, I was like, they can make like a total offshoot parody of it, like Downtown Abbey. <laughs> God. Um. Which is basically it's uh, it's the um, American version of upstairs downstairs the British version. Well, also local Buzz um, Zebulon, I forget his last name, but a local artist is doing costuming stuff. I'm not sure if he's a main costumer, but he's been talking about it on Twitter and things like that. And I met him during a Vivian for Downton, so he'll be using his services to help them. Um, So yeah, yeah, Rochester. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, my biggest news of the last three weeks is uh, there is now only one blockbuster left. Yeah. They've closed down the two blockbusters in Alaska, including the one that John Oliver sent all the Russell right. Crowe memorabilia to. Right. Um, those are now closed, and the last living, breathing blockbusters in Oregon. We should go. No. No. We should go. I don't have any desire to go. I don't want to go to Oregon either, but it's there. We must go. Is it big? Is it a big one? Probably average. I don't know. I wonder. It's the only one left. So, I mean. <laughs> I just want to call them. I want to call them and talk to the, to the guy. And like, are you getting customers? Do you have a lot of customers? Do you think you're going to stay open? It's, it's really weird. Like a couple of years ago, I was saying to something and I said, you know what? Netflix reminds me of an online blockbuster. It reminds me of going into a blockbuster on a Friday night and all the new releases are checked out or all like the top movies are checked out and now you have to go through everything else and find something. <laughs> so you've got all these like made for TV movies and like movies from like the eighties and early nineties. Right. But that's what Netflix has felt like to me for a long time. And now they're like changing that with they are, their newer they're... content. But that was before all the new content started coming oh, yeah. out. Cause I was on the verge of like getting rid of Netflix. Cause I'm like, there's nothing on nothing here to on watch. Here. I almost did the same um, thing. And then all at once they started but yeah, we've we've talked. I think we talked about Blockbuster, like one of the first episodes. We how did, we, yeah. You know, Social. I had the cards and went in there as many times and got as many DVDs as you could possibly rent out it's, at a time. It's, that's funny because Netflix now has a hundred and twelve total nominations for the Emmys, which yeah, the Emmys have been one of those things that I really just don't watch. I don't know why. I haven't watched them either. I really haven't. And it seems like them everybody I don't, gets nominations. Well, because I don't watch any other, I don't really watch real, te- I'm real I don't want to, what do you want to call that? Network yeah. television. Net, I don't watch network television. And uh, we have, I just don't watch it. But, um, and I haven't been watching the Emmys for years, I don't think. I think I maybe have watched them once, but. But, I mean, I might this year only because of the things that are nominated. I only watched the daytime Emmys because uh, Michael Park was nominated for his uh, Jack Snyder in As the World Turns. It was his last season. So Dude. I had to. What? You watched As the World Turns? Michael, Michael Park, Park was is in a it. Blackfriars alum. 
I know Michael. So I had to watch it. It's a good show. When you get into it, you get into it. No, but, seriously, I watched As the World also, Turns from alum. the time I was seven years old, and I was taping it. He's a Naz alum too, so I have to watch it. Support, you know, Naz blood. So um, who did he play? Jack Snyder. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, and then he was in House of Cards. You couldn't miss He's him. He's right now on Broadway's and Dear Evan Hansen. He's yeah. the father. Finally, using his voice. <gasps> She's flipping out over here. She's like making connections. Cool. He, was at, he was at the NAS graduation this past. Cool. Do you remember uh, what was a couple years ago was oh my um, gosh. the Peter Pan that they did live on TV with yes. Christopher Walken? He was one of the pirates on there as well. And he came to Rochester years and ago. Let's see. He originated the role of wow. uh, on Violet and originated the role on Smokey Joe's. So... He's got yeah. some really good. Yeah. He stopped singing roles. for years to do as the role turns. Then he That's went back to Broadway. So. so. Yeah. And he came. He came for our closing night. Closing night <sighs> or opening Snyder. night performance of Violet. I think it was the closing night performance of Violet. We got to spend the evening with him. That's very cool. awesome. Very cool guy. Yeah. Cool. Down to earth. Funny too. He's been around. Um, yeah. So, oh, well, what well, else? What else we got here? Well, I was just gonna trailer land here. Even well, before we get into trailers, I just wanted to round off my, even though we don't watch it, oh, just means. because <clears throat> the crown, um, oh, the crown got twelve thumbs hmm. and Godless, and I, which I haven't seen. I am shocked that Godless got that. I I enjoyed I it. it. I liked it. I haven't seen it. Stranger um, Things both got twelve. Glow, which, nope, it's not my thing. Got 10, but a lot of people no, like Glow. I'm not going to go into this with you right now. And then HBO got We're going to stop right there. Have you watched a single episode of Glow yet? No, but okay. The Handmaid's Tale did get 20 nominations. Can you? 20. Can you please watch one episode of Glow? Okay, one. you watch one episode of Handmaid's Tale. We will. I just got Hulu so I can start on Handmaid's Tale. That was my plan. Okay, deal. Because I was going to make this deal with you. <laughs> Fine. One yay, episode of Glow. Yay. But you have to prove that you actually watched it like I need to know. My wife's going to be there. I've got it because she'll probably be interested in it more than I am. Oh, she will. It's going to bother you. But I also got Hulu for other things. Because so, that's um, where Marvel's Runaways is. Hulu has some um, good stuff on there right now. They so. do. Yeah, they do. Valerie's going to watch Glow. Very, Noon. very small amount of stuff. but Well, enough to get it, right? Handmaid's Tale. I got it for Handmaid's Tale alone. And then found some other things on there. So that makes me happy. But guess what? So I'm just like looking at these numbers. I'm like... But look what, at you. What do you? But 20 <laughs> nominations? But, but I know. But what I are they nominating for? I just 20. Wanted, I know, but Best I wanted props. to say congratulations because you're marvelous, Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel? Mrs. Maisel, Ms. sorry. Maisel. 14 nominations. No, that's tw- uh, 22. 14, yeah. 14 noms for them. 14 out of Amazon Prime's 22. Did they get any for Bosch? I don't know. I just saw, that's, they just said. Trying to think what else would have been on Amazon um, Prime from this last year that would have gotten anything. I liked uh, a show that I can't think of the name of. Uh, I talked about last week or last time we were here. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Uh, So like uh, Zombieland 2. The cast is confirmed it's coming back, and the movie should be out by the 10-year anniversary. I saw that. 
So that I've not seen the first one. You haven't seen the first. Mm-mm. It's fun. It's a good zombie flick. It's fun. Zombieland. That's with Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson. Mm. You haven't seen Tele- it either. No, Tallahassee. That's with uh, Bill yes. Murray. Yes. Okay. Columbus sorry. and Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. And good. That's a Bill Murray's film. best death scene ever. Very, very funny, awkward meta film. But yeah. Yeah. So that it's been talked about it actually coming back for years and Twinkies. They finally just confirmed it. All the cast is on board and they are hoping to get it out by the 10 year anniversary. It's weird to say it's 10 years. It's like milk gushing out of your nose. Funny. Like your nose burns. Do you like zombie movies at all? I do. I don't need to watch it. I still like it. You need to put that on your list. Because it's funny. What's the British one? That's funny. Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah, this is it's funny. Very Shaun of the Dead uh, okay. vibe to it, just a little bit. It's Americanized humor instead of British humor. And very meta. So it's so. still funny though. Yes, yes. very white. <laughs> joking. Um, yes, because every time like the writers got like announced to be like, oh, the writer is going to be taking on this movie, it was like, ooh, what are they taking on? Um, speaking of funny, <clears throat> there's a movie called The Meg <laughs> coming out. People just have to watch this 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 trailer. It looks like the worst it's of a like huge jaws. movie seventy five foot long prehistoric shark. It's coming out August tenth. I will. I will pretty much watch anything Jason Statham does, and this just looks horrible, stupid. <laughs> and Rain Wilson is in it as well. It looks like it. I, I didn't dig through the production it's, company, but it looks like it's a Chinese made movie. Did you see the trailer? Oh yeah, I've seen oh my it. Gosh. Just like ugh. The dog. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. And the tongue-in-cheek jokes that are, like, forced. I'm like, oh, if they sound this forced in the trailer. Uh, but a good trailer that I, that I, well, I've seen actually a few times because I just saw the movie theater. But uh, the house with a clock in its walls with Kate Blanchett and Jack Black, which looks awesome. Yeah. You, but, probably, you just probably just saw the second one. Because the first one came back a long time ago, and the second right. one is a lot more in depth as to like what happens with the movie, and we find out that like Jack's a, a warlock, yes, and yet that history, and that comes out September twenty first, so we have a little bit to wait, but we will be there. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely excited for that one. When I first saw the first trailer, I thought it was the the follow up to Goosebumps because it was just in that same oh vein. <laughs> yeah, I saw the Goosebumps trailer, Goosebumps two. Oh my. But that's what I thought the it first one was because, terrifying. and I was like, "What the heck?" And it's for kids. I mean, I don't the, even think it looks terrifying. I just think it looks stupid compared to the first one. I know. But and the big thing no, that's missing one. is, you know, Jack Black's missing. He was R.L. Stein in the first one. So. It's just kind of strange. It's just kind of that's kind of strange. Another horror flick, um, Mandy and uh, M A N D Y, uh, which is how Barry Manilow spelled it. Um, sorry, my little sister is Mandy, and she gets named after that yeah, song. After the song, yeah, by her brother. Um, anyway, it's directed by Panos Cosmatos. Is that how you say? It? Sounds Greek. Uh, but he did Tombstone, and it's with Academy Award winner Nick Cage. <laughs> well, it's right there. You so lost you, me. You just don't know. And 
because you don't we you just don't know with him. It's going to be up and down. When you put qualifiers like that under even a turd can be polished once in a while. It's going to crack me up. I know. But September 14th release for anybody who wants to be scared. I did see the trailer or it did look a little terrifying to me. And then Amazon's beautiful boy. I've I probably seen looks... Tombstone 20 times. I like mm-hmm. Tombstone a lot too. I love Western movies and I thought that one was just fun. Val Kilmer's probably best role ever. Yes. Uh, what? Well. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. Well, no, okay. I'm sorry. But, if you oh. look at his career. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I, okay. I did enjoy. What was that? One of my ears popped and it's not working now at all. But um, check the, you probably hit the plug. Whatever. I always hit something. Okay, there. Uh, I was going to say that I enjoyed him in The Doors, even though, but The Doors came out and I just totally dug it. He's, he's had several good roles. I just think that. in terms of like him going completely like, Non Val Kilmer. Oh, was, okay. There you go. Okay, now I see what you mean. This was him embodying a role and becoming something completely different. Yeah, I just thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you that. So, okay. Road Genius and Kiss Kiss were different. Okay, cool. Never mind. Maybe the doors wasn't that. I don't know. I'm going to actually do this, and you're going to gag. But speaking of beautiful boys, <laughs> sorry, uh, Amazon's beautiful boy. With Steve Carell and Timothy, is it Timothy Chalamet? It took me a while to understand what that was about. Like um, I watched it twice. It's actually there's two books that were written, uh, Father and Son. Um, then they're based on those two books about their journey through um, addiction. Uh, and Timothy is from Call Me by Your Name and Lady Bird, so he's pretty big right now. And Steve Carell, we of course all know. Don't we? 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> um, I guess some people say the office, I don't, but I would count. say, okay. you know, lots of other things like Anchorman. Yeah. And we also talked, he's got a new movie coming out, the uh, Marwin. Yes, which I will see that in theaters. Amazing. We talked about that last show. He actually has some really great shows. There's, uh, I He's one of the actors that I like when he's pulled back and he's brought down to a very raw because then when his comedy comes out in those raw moments he's very funny he's little miss sunshine he's, yeah and he's in this really great movie i can't think of the title it's with juliet um Binoche. thank you juliet Binoche and oh it's a comedian that's not very funny but they all go to a cabin and he meets her and his brother, who's a comedian, ends up bringing Juliet, who he actually met earlier in the day, and they had a lovely time. Danny Real Life? Thank you. That's the, I love that. That movie. was his first real, like, most comedians do well doing series. I really love so. that movie. I've watched it several times. I'm trying to think who the, the other comedian in that was. I think I know, I've, I've seen that movie. It's that, so. oh, I can't think of his name. But anyway, yeah. um, I think that's all with my he was news. He was in Kodachrome. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Uh, first Images of Glass, M. Night Shalom, follow-up. be good. The follow-up to Split and Unbreakable. First Images meaning there's a trailer. First pictures. 
pictures. Like Suzanne, so the first picture, are, the first picture was of the three of them. So split, right? Um, uh, Mr. Glass and Bruce Willis's character all chained up. Do we know so, when this release will be? Um, I don't know. I didn't look I, at the date, but the fact that we're getting pictures out now could mean either end of year or beginning of the year. It seems like it'll be a winter movie. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker is... Do we need an origin film? Do we need <laughs> that? Do we need what, him playing Joker? I don't know what we need. I'm we don't sorry. need that. I, I, I'm, I tired. Just, I'm tired. Joaquin as the Joker I is going to be... Hmm. DC's plan of how they're like everything is coming together is really just... They need to just stop, take a year, well, and you, regroup. You just saw what they did with... Uh, I, I'm going to butcher this name. Damon Hyunsu, the one he played from yes. Gladiator. But he was in the Marvel Universe. So now they just brought him in to play the wizard in Shazam, but he's already playing a character in Aquaman. And the female from Aquaman is also playing a different character in Shazam. So, so maybe they'll get it right. Two people playing four different roles. That's interesting. It's like Chris Evans. In two different movies. It's like, what? I have no feelings about this. But, but they're in the same universe. So it's well, not it's not like going not, from two different universes. Yeah, they're not my universe. But news update: Glass is coming out January eighteenth. Cool beans. Just want to let you know that. Okay, so now you can. I'm going to go boycott DC for a while. I'm going to give them a break. My I'm mind. just going to keep watching them just to see where they go. They're trying to have a sequel for Superman. Henry's talking about a Henry Cavill talking about a sequel for Superman that wasn't and that will be. And I'm like, guys, just take a break. Just the only reason I'm excited for Shazam is because it's Zach Levi, and He's I a good really actor. like Zach Levi. Yes, Chuck. I don't know where the heck they're going to go with this movie. It'll probably be better than Man of Steel, but uh, and then. A couple more comic book news. Uh, Jeremy Renner signed on for Spawn. Nice. And Black Widow got a director, so we will be getting a Black Widow film. That'll be cool. And you, the Robocop fan. I don't know. I did you about, see this? I did. I don't know how I feel about him. I mean, he's a good director. He's a good director. I just don't know if we need a new reboot because the last one was kind of like unsettling for me. But I, I don't think it. it's not going to be a reboot. It's going to be a continuation. Uh, uh, we'll be better than RoboCop three, but um, <laughs> okay. I well, I'll wait and see. I'm curious. I, I like Neil's style yeah. of directing, so it might be a little bit more. What else has he directed? District nine. District nine. Uh, the one with the robot was. Uh, I know you're talking about. It'll come to me. Yeah, yeah. but uh, he's good. He has good visual style. Good South, no voice. South African director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was going to do Halo, and then you know they gave it to. Uh, Peter Jackson, who said no, no, thank you. So he did. He's a, he's a sci-fi, future sci-fi. I say futuristic, uh, dark, but more on a like a realistic term, not right. like sci-fi in space. It's sci-fi no, right. future on Earth, like Terminator, stuff. the original Terminator, kind of right. The ground in that reality, District Nine. Yeah. I mean, that says it all to me. Satire. No, did you see it? Uh-huh. Okay, good. So I must have talked right that's over it, that. Sorry. That's it. No, no, I, I didn't say anything about it. So that's about all the news I got. I'm, I'm sure there's tons more, but I think that's enough for us right now. Right. Let's move on to the recommendation list. Valerie. <laughs> I'm going back in time um, because I didn't get to the movie theaters. I mean, I did, but I'm going to say that you for kids. You just wanted to see somebody younger. <laughs> Hush it. No, it's because Kendra hasn't seen these movies. So when she comes, then I introduce these movies to her. Um, so uh, it's just kind of funny. Um 
her her Jeff Goldblum and I'm we're going to lead into this. Her Jeff Goldblum in her head is Jurassic Park, right? Mm, okay. My Jeff Goldblum is the big chill, mm. right? Nerdy, just completely the biggest nerd ever. Now, then you watch The Fly, which is what we watched, 1986. Oh my gosh, Jeff, Jeffy. He's pretty hot in this movie. Got long hair. He's got a bod. It's it's weird. It's weird that he's hot. Um, it's he's aged well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she was like know. Jeff Goldblum, really? And then not when she's like Jeff. Um, and then Gina Davis. This is where they met and fell in love and got married, and then they got divorced later. But uh, still. You know what? This is still a great, creepy movie. It's still impressive. It got an Academy Award for makeup by Chris Wales. And uh, I thought this was interesting that the music was power tour and it was performed by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's still, if people don't know, a scientist who works, he's working on teleportation. Teleportation? Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he gets, you know, don't do anything when you're drunk is the thing. He got drunk, got all upset, went, got into the pod, decided he was going to teleport himself. And that little fly got in there and screwed everything up. And so, yeah, he turns into a fly. And uh, it's really gross and fantastic. So I, I watched that. And then um, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Watch that, 2005, with Laura Linney and Tom Wilkinson, which is based on, it's based on, a, I'm putting up in quotes, true story. Um, but you can look all that up if you'd like. But it was, it's pretty, it, I, I'd say it's pretty darn scary. I, you know, when I saw it, it you know, it's, it was scary. And Chicago Film Critics is in the new one, their top 100 scariest movies. Where'd you watch these? At home. Through, did you have them on DVD? Oh, I'm or? sorry. Um, Exorcism, I have on DVD. And The Fly, I think we rented from Amazon. I still have my PHS at The Fly. That's awesome. But she really <laughs> liked both of them a lot. So, yeah. We watched other ones, but, I mean, we, we also did... We also did uh, and this, I don't know why I'm going to say this, and it's going to annoy a lot of people. But... Um, Goodwill Hunting. We watched Goodwill Hunting. It's a good movie. <clears throat> I struggle with it. Why? Did you ever struggle with the fact okay, when it came out and won all those awards, those boys around my age, and I just was ju I just when I this the screenplay was, I thought Robin Williams' lines, his performance was good. It's just. That the way they put the movie together and the lines and every, I don't know it, it just seemed to me. She's trying to say what now? I don't know. I could. I just. I. I was pissed. There are a lot of people in Hollywood who don't believe that Ben Affleck. Oh no, I don't care about that. Will that they wrote it? They wrote it. I don't know. I mean, no. I was just pissed that they wrote it. And I mean, not that I wanted to. I just felt like, seriously, this one? Well, it, it, one thing I will say is that there's a lot of inside stuff in Hollywood. So it's about who you know. So 
Ben and Will had been, sorry, oh. Ben and Matt had been acting for a while. So oh, they yeah, had some cred. Movies. So they kind of had some pull when it came to writing a film and getting it seen by the right people. And No kidding. Getting, so I mean, it's hard work to get where you are. But I mean, they just had the inside card of working a long time and then pushing through. I'd already seen Clerks and and uh, Mall Rats and Chasing Amy. I think Ben uh, was that was mostly Ben. I think um, Matt had more serious. Matt did had more serious um, work under his belt at that point. Oh gosh, I can't remember what Matt did before that. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that movie, but Kendra enjoyed it. Cool. That's it. So I, yeah, I sat in my living room watching movies this week. So I didn't really get out to the movies at all. I did, but that's later. Uh-huh. Um, I did get out to the movies to see Ant-Man and the Wasp, the latest follow-up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, directed by Peyton Reed and starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michael Pena, and Michelle Pfeiffer, um, just to name a few. And also Walter Goggins in the movie. I, I love whenever Walter Goggins shows up, but for some reason, TV people know how to use Walter Goggins, movie people don't. Mm. It's a really weird thing because anything that Walter Goggins has been on in TV, I've loved. Everything he's been in on film, I haven't been impressed with, impressed with at all. Um, in terms of Ant-Man and the Wasp, it's a very satisfying film. It's a, If you've seen Ant-Man 1, it's a good follow-up to that because you finally get the Wasp, Evangeline Lilly... Uh, and that whole storyline and lots of just tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek jokes. Um, Do you have to see the first one first yeah. to kind of understand really what's wanted, going on? I really wanted to go see it. Is Bobby? In said, it? We, we, even see, we hadn't seen the first one. I was like, I don't really care. Uh-huh. I just wanted to go see it, but I, I, I think you need to see one. the first one just to kind of get the flavor of humor because All it's right. different than the humor that's in the rest of the Marvel universe. That's okay. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of the Marvel movies. You should still watch your first one and understand the still, science. And it, yeah, just watch the first one. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's just it explains a lot. I mean, it explains the science behind what they're doing. That really explains. Oh, but it, it explains it the relationship you. between Paul Rudd's character and Evangeline Lilly's character, yeah. too. Okay. And then you'll kind of piece a little bit of together as to, to what it. happened in the Marvel Universe Believe because there's three or four things that happened. But I thought it was fun it in terms. Fun. I thought it was, you know, I've been trying to get take the girls to go we just are everything hasn't lined up with camp season and everything and um does it play a huge role in the marvel universe in total not really um it has a small part at the end that plays into role with what happened with infinity war it's just more gives us a just a fun in ant-man and the wasp fun thing is that point at the end sad as people said it was like knowing no it's just pissed off I don't, want to just like, don't talk about really? it really 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 that's what I thought that's, okay, that's all it. I was and and then they throw like so there's two end credit right. scenes okay so the one you're talking about is the first one right. and then there's one at the end and the one at the end it's like you've already seen it in the freaking trailer okay. really okay hmm. because I was wait. it's one of those things like your brain remembers things that you see from trailers and then like as you're watching the movie you're like Where'd that thing go that I saw from the trailer? <laughs> and that was one of the things like, that's oh, lame. that's where they put it. That's the second time within the past. I know I've discussed it on here before that I've like said, oh, they completely yeah. have just 
gave away what it was Tomb Raider. Yeah. Like the ending of Tomb Raider was on the freaking trailer. I mean, they showed you exactly what happened because it's in the trailer. There's some scenes in Infinity War that were in the trailer that are not in the movie, but the Blu-ray coming out will have those scenes. As I don't mind scenes. that. It's just more of like, you know, if you're going to put a little special little like, here's a, an extra little thank you for mm-hmm. sticking around, make it something special. Don't waste it by, I've already seen it in the trailer. Should have flopped it maybe? So we're going to try to see that this week. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I know. We're, yeah. I know we're spoilers people, but see please Ant-Man. don't spoil it for see me. See Ant-Man first. Yeah, we'll we will. See. Um, we will. There's not much I can spoil about the movie itself. I mean, they've already revealed that Michelle Pfeiffer plays um, the original Wasp, and that she's the one that's stuck. It's Evangeline Lilly's mother. They just never showed her in the first one. They never showed who it was, and they just revealed it was Michelle Pfeiffer, like shortly before the filming or before the film came out. Um, and her role is so small. But important to right the okay. film. Um, what I'm hoping out of this, I'm hoping that somehow we get a original Ant Man and the Wasp film out of it. I would love to see a young Hank Pym and um, Janet Van Dyne. Um, Be nice, because we're looking at Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, Hank Pym and and Janet Van Dyne. Um, at the tail end of their careers, I would love to see them at the beginning of their careers because they were in the comics. Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne were basically the start of the Avengers. That's how the Avengers got started. And um, it, when they put the new Avengers in, it was kind of disheartening that like Hank Pym was the center focus of the Avengers between Hank Pym and Bruce Banner forming the Avengers. Like none of that was part of the new Avengers and the MCU universe. But Hank Pym. Hank Pym. That's Michael Douglas's character. Hank Pym. He was the original Ant Man. Also, Giant Man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So it's it's his technology. I got Bruce Banner. It's his technology that you can shrink or become big. Okay. Thank you. Um, For us. But we get a Hank Pym that's old and, you know, Michael Douglas is a great actor. I I like him a lot, but I, I missed like the formation of the Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne Maybe they era will. of Avengers. Well, I'm hoping it leads to that. I don't know how they would approach it other than having a major reboot happen mm-hmm. as what happens out of coming out of Infinity War and going forward. Um, there is potential for a flashback in there, but there's so many movies coming out that I just don't know how they would fit it in. Um, but go see it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, it doesn't need to be much more honest than that. It's just a fun popcorn Marvel movie. Um, doesn't have a lot of consequences on the Marvel universe as a whole, except for the last scene. Okay. But Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is hilarious. He's a good actor. People don't take him credit, but he's a really phenomenal University actor. University of Kansas graduate. Yeah, he's a graduate. Thank you. Doing. Like and I'm, I'm actually I'm also uh, I throw a side note on there I I like Evangeline Lilly much better in this one than I did in the first one okay. the first one she came off as very and I understood why it was a character you know she was very pissy because she got overlooked she wanted to be the Ant-Man she wanted to be the person that got shrunk down and did all this dirty stuff right. but her father said no he didn't want her to be part of that but to finally see her step into the role of the wasp and just she takes charge of the whole right. movie and just kicks butt the whole way. Mm. Um, but Walter Goggins' character, like I said, he, he they set him up as the bad guy in this 
film as one of the bad guys because he's a black market dealer. And it's just, he acts like a scaredy cat for most of the movie, but he keeps coming back as like, oh, uh, my, I've got highly you know, big investors. and A little, um, maybe you knew this or not, but being a Paul Rudd lover as you are. Paul Rudd and Rob Riggle. Do you know Rob Riggle? No. He's a comedian. Name sounds familiar. Anyway, if you saw him, you probably know him. But anyway. um, Is he the one that dresses up as a clown? I don't know. I just know his face. That's funny. Anyway, he, uh, they got together and they do (laughs) Chiefs commercials. Kansas City Chiefs commercials. Well, they're not really commercials. They're just like little films and they're really funny. Anyway, so Kansas City Chiefs. Paul Rudd. So little my thing with Paul Rudd, I'm going to talk about this briefly, very quick. Paul Rudd and I had a little tiff when <laughs> watching him a lot. I don't really know the guy personally, but oh, I, was like, I saw him on Clueless, and I'm like, oh, Josh, you're not. This is weird. As you hat. Yeah, and he was Clueless. I'm like, okay. And then I saw him in The Object of My Affection, and then everything changed for me. So it's based on a book. Um, Paul plays a um, gay man who is becomes best friends with his roommate, who is Jennifer Aniston, and... They start falling oh, in love yes. with each other, which is weird, but they have that whole platonic, almost romantic tease throughout the whole film. But that film kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to other things. But um, Paul actually was the character he was in the film, and I was it was believable for me where I could start taking him seriously as an actor versus just a comic foil or cheese head or just smiling all the time. Because up until that point, every time I saw Paul in a movie or TV show, he was just grinning, and that's all I saw him as, a grinning fool and... Nothing else, but that's that. Um, Paul has come a long way in his acting, and a lot of people don't give him credit for it, which bothers me because he has worked hard to get to where he is, and I and he gives he, back. He does gives back to his hometown. He does. What a guy. Anything else, Ron? So, I was home for three weeks, you know, <laughs> and talking to a lot of people because you know I couldn't go out because Sebastian needed me and Grace Aww. needed me and. Marnie definitely needed me. So um talked to some of my friends. And uh, one of my friends, who I will not name, she has uh, some interest in doing improv. We were talking about it. I won't mention who she is because um, she's not ready to talk about that out loud yet. I think we're just tossing ideas. And she wants to get over her stage fright, just get out there and open and stuff. It. So, But she wants to do improv. And I have another friend in West Virginia who does comedy sports, Richmond. And she's an improver. You know, that's her night job. She's a teacher during the day. Um, but... All this improv stuff got me thinking there has to be something about improv out there. So I saw a movie on Netflix called Don't Think Twice, which has a slew of people. It's a comedy drama. It has Mike Burbiglia, I think is how you say his last name. Burbiglia. Yeah. He was in Rochester a couple weeks, months ago, doing comedy here. Hmm. Um, He's a new comedy joint, wasn't he? Carlson. Yeah, Carlson. Yeah. He did Sleepwalk With Me. Um, Keegan Michael Key from Keegan and Cal. He's doing a lot of stuff, a lot of Netflix stuff. I'll talk about him more later, too. Julian Jacobs, Kate Musi, I can't pronounce names today, sorry, Tammy Sager, and Chris Gethard, who has a podcast, which I don't know the name of, but I've been listening to him on and off. But this is a Netflix um, find I discovered. It's about a troop of improvers who are in a commune. That's the name of their comedy group, improv group. And a Saturday Night Live, weekend live show, discovers them. And sits down and picks two people out of their group. And it's basically about them coming of age, even though they're in their 30s and 40s, realizing that they all won't make it in comedy, but being okay with it. Kind of slowly over the course of the film, 
some are making it, some are not, but then still going for the ride, still enjoying what they're doing. But um, this film is interesting. Um, it kind of ties in with our stew later on, but it's just nice seeing a different group, a different reality. Like we all see improv or on TV, like whose lines in it anyways, or have friends who do improv or just hear about it. But it's nice to see the behind the scenes dynamics of the team, the group, how they all function and what their everyday lives are like when they're not doing comedy on stage in the evening. And it's kind of like a lot like Second City too. So it's just, it's just refreshing to see that different slice of life from a different point of view and how art as a whole is hard. But if you love what you're doing, it isn't hard at all. It's just something you want to do because you can't do anything else. So I recommend this film a lot. It sat with me a while. And um, I think you should check it out. When I hear improv, I think movies. Go ahead. I'm older, of course. Guest? I think Punchline. <laughs> Punchline. Did you see Punchline with Sally Field and Tom Hanks? Long time ago. Why do I not know that film? Um, it's an 80s film, isn't it? Uh, it came film. out in 1988. And Sally Field is a uh, woman, mom. I think she's, I, I can't remember her backstory. Mm. I think feel like, I feel like it's a stay home mom thing, whatever. Anyway, but she wants to do improv. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, you should watch it. Why do I not think I may, did I hear about it? Somewhere in my brain, somewhere probably, but I will check that out. Marvelous Miss Meisel. That I have to check stay out. Stay at home mom who wants to become a. Hmm. That's yeah. true. My goodness. Okay. Yes. So there you go. You have, you have. I have two things to check out. So, um. You still haven't watched that yet? I started it. I get distracted. It's so good. I will watch it because of Emmys, but I just get distracted by other things. I've seen about four episodes. That's my next thing to watch. After Extreme Rules tonight, I will be watching that. So I don't know what. It's not. I will try again. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not lured in. (laughs) You know, it could be. Could because it's a comedy. I have a hard time with comedies. Mm. Like, I do. Unless unless it's completely making me laugh out loud to the point where, I don't know, I'm more, I'm so drawn to drama that I have a hard time. She watched Tootsie. I love Tootsie. It's a comedy. That is a comedy, but it's, you know, Seriously. got some stuff in there. But it's, I mean, but that's different. Anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Awesome. So there's our recommendations for the week, and we will be right back. For you, the listeners of the Cultural Stew podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And we have somebody here who loves Audible. I love Audible. But she loves it even more than me and uses it frequently. I do. Daily. I Yeah, daily. So right now I am listening to Something in the Water by Catherine Stedman. She narrates her book, which I was a little hesitant about. But she is really actually a fantastic narrator. Um, Reese Witherspoon um, has a book club on Audible. It's kind of like an Oprah book club. And I... She has, you know, she's had some pretty decent picks. So um, I listened actually to the sample first, which caught me, the, the sample to the book. So um, that's why I got it more than Reese 
but I will give Reese props for that. Um, so far, I'm really enjoying it. It's a mystery that unravels kind of backwards, but the first chapter sucks you in. I mean, you are hooked, to, and it's very hard not to want to just sit and listen and do nothing else. But yeah, Something in the Water by Catherine Stedman and um, Reese has new picks every, I want to say every month. So she has a new pick right now, but I don't know what it is because I haven't finished her old pick yet. But well, good thing you have a monthly subscription. I do to Audible. How, how did how did you go about getting that? I just went to. Well, I've had it, but for people who would like to listen, uh, audibletrial.com/slash/culturalstew. And what do you get if you go there? You get a new. You get a book for free. A free 30-month trial or 30-month trial. Don't you wish? Yep. You get a credit for one book. Right. And you get a 30-day trial. 30-day trial. So. That's what I meant. 30-month would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you get a credit. We'd still be on it. <laughs> I know. But you, you get credit for one book, So, um, which some of those books are pretty darn expensive. And and, it, yeah. and it's cool because they have uh, apps for your phone. Uh, so whether you have Android, you have iOS or something else, you can install that application and it works just like your podcast player or music player. Mm-hmm. It just loads up the book. You have it there and you can bring it back at any time. So even if you choose not to extend beyond the 30 day time, guess what? You still have that credit still- there. You can still get that book and have it there. So if you chose something like maybe John Adams, uh, which is, I think, 30 hours worth of listening. You can just sit there and listen to it over the course of a couple months. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it took me because it's just really, just really keep, long. Yeah. And the, the credits never go away. Yeah. The credits never expire. Just, but they also, the, the other thing that's good about Audible is let's say you run into some hard times. You can't afford Audible for a couple months, right? Put it on hold. You can put it on hold. Um, and even if you've stopped the service, you do not lose your books. Yep. They're not li- They're not like that. You bought your book, you get to keep your book. So again, where can they go? You can go to audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash cultural stew to get your free audiobook today. Today, we have an interesting stew provided to you by Valerie. Dead silence. (laughs) No, I was thinking you were going to... It's going to be interesting. You were going to... So, originally, I I threw it out as a film, uh, a documentary, a play or a book that changed your mind about something in the world, an event, a person, whatever. Um, I don't know if I said you, yourself. If it cha- how it changed yourself, like you as a person. Um, I can barely remember yesterday remembering what you said three weeks ago. It's like uh, that's okay, but because uh, yeah. it was on the website, that's why I. So as far as events, I'll start with events only because then I'm going to go somewhere different. Um, events that did not happen. <laughs> um. In 1983, when I was eight years old, I sat in front of the television, as most children in Kansas, because it was finished up in Lawrence, Kansas, 
I don't know if this was an all over the, if this was like a national movie that played or not. But um, I watched The Day After, which is about basically the end of the world, kind of. Um, a nuclear bomb going off and what that's like and what happens after, the day after that happens. And it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So um, that changed, like, you know, world's pretty and nothing's going to happen that's bad. Made me... So that definitely changed me. Like, I still think about the day after. Um, But actually part of that movie uh, was finished up on... KU Grounds. So it was uh, Old Father Studios, which doesn't even exist anymore, which is sad. I went to school there uh, for film school, but it uh, took place, a lot of it took place in Kansas. So, And then um, when I was in Chicago, going through my own stuff and kind of focusing on my own stuff, um, is that's when Hurricane Katrina hit. And I was aware of it. Jason was extremely aware of it. Jason and I were roommates at that point. He was very aware of it and was, you know, kind of talking to me about it and showing me pictures, but I was not clued in at all for some reason. I mean, I was a little bit, but I didn't watch the news. I don't think we had cable. Um, and I just, at that point, I was struggling to survive <laughs> uh, with job and everything else. So... Then I watched um, later, so in 2006, um, When the Levees Broke, which is a requiem in four acts is how they describe it. I watched that documentary, and that's when I, it, it came to full. I, I, oh, shit. I, I know that sounds really selfish and ignorant, but um, if you don't know about Katrina... That's where I would, I would watch the documentary because I think it's definitely worth watching, seeing what New Orleans and the surrounding areas went through. Um, and that's terrifying and also brings into the fact that, gosh, I don't even know what hardship is. You know, I don't, these people, ugh, anyway, so, um, but the more I thought about it, I thought on the topic of how film or TV changed me. So I was, you know, film and TV when you're a kid, you get up, and you watch cartoons or you go to the movies and, you, you know, I'm watching the Goonies or whatever. And you're having a good time. Um, my parents divorced um, in 82. I was seven years old. And then we moved, my sister, my mom and I moved to Topeka which is four hours away. And, you know, we, it wasn't really talked about that much at all. And I went downstairs and would just start watching television. My mother was in law school um, studying. And I don't know if it was a thought as to, like, you know, what kind of stuff is she going to be watching that's not appropriate? And I wouldn't say it was inappropriate. But um, 30-something came on in 1987, and it ran for four years, five years, 87 through 91, four years. Um, And I watched that show, and I remember sitting down and watching it, and 
thinking, oh, like this is what it's like to be an adult. I, that sounds ridiculous, but yeah. I watching adult dialogue, watching people go through these hardships. They do have a divorce on there and they do have things that are going on there that I thought, oh, and I remember wanting to watch it with my mom and she would say, I can't watch it. It's too real for me right now. I just, I can't watch that because why would, you know, why would I want to watch that? So I thought, oh, well then gosh, that must be. And so I was thinking about dialogue and then on another spectrum, (laughs) I started watching Moonlighting, which was, that's kind of funny, which, um, Bruce Willis and, um, my gosh, I blanked. Yeah, I can't remember her name. No, we I, have to, I know, we what have you're to know her about. name. Blonde, right? Blonde, give me her name, somebody. <laughs> um, because she deserves to have her name written. And I, it normally it's at the t- top of my head, but because she was in lots of movies. But um, she's in, it's, my gosh, it's. Cheryl, Sybil Shepard. Sorry, Sybil. Anyway, um, I watched that and it was the banter back and forth. The, it was very, to me, I thought it, you know, whatever, I'm a kid, but I thought it was smart and witty and funny and so fast. And Bruce Willis was so fast. I had never seen him before, but their back and forth um, made me really like dialogue. And then later on, I would see um, the big chill and the dialogue in that movie and the fact that I, you know, I, I kind of watching these people go through losing a friend, but it wasn't until Glenn Close, um, sits down in the shower and starts crying that I realized, oh, like there's real emotions here because in some of the other parts of the movie, you know, are kind of ridiculous, like they make fun of it mm-hmm. and things that would never really happen. You wouldn't loan your husband out to your friend so that she could get pregnant. Maybe some people would, but I wouldn't. So don't ask. And <laughs> okay. In case you were wondering, Jason is off the market. <laughs> he is off the market. Um, although he does make pretty babies. Um, <laughs> I, so, and then Joe Beth Williams is basically focusing so much on Tom Berenger. You know, it's just kind of, and you know, as I said earlier, Jeff Goldblum is just trying to get, you know, just trying to get, he's a writer and he's trying to get a story and, you know, it's just kind of, but then we do have these real moments, um, in the movie that I have always been drawn to, which I don't know, which made me like dialogue. And then I check it. I checked out this movie, um, from the library called my dinner with Andre. And that is when I realized that I didn't have to have any action or any change to scene much at all. I just need to watch two people talk. And that's all my dinner with Andre is. And that's Wallace Sean, correct? Yeah. From, well, for most people, he's, he's inconceivable. So, so for you, like the big thing has been taking in, a different appreciation and a different view of the way relationships are handled. Yeah. Whether they be a, a more adult situations from when you're a youth or the way that people are handling natural disaster. It's them taking that perspective of what the relationship to 
those are like, yeah, how to handle certain things. Cause I had no idea and okay. watching people talk through stuff. I don't know. I, okay. I, I felt like I, I kind of look to it as a guide on life, which is kind of strange. Maybe. No, that, I mean, that's how I was with my movies. I mean, sometimes I watched my dad had me watch movies to explain things that he didn't want to talk about. So, um, for example, Boogie Nights is an example of that. Um, my dad didn't want to explain the Birds and the Beast to me really that much. So he said, here's Boogie Nights. So, um, and that kind of helped foster my growth of Hi, dad. understanding <laughs> <laughs> filmmaking really? too. Yeah, it's kind of I under, I got to understand filmmaking as a whole a lot better. And I, I guess even in that film, I still hold on to that community. These people were all, you know, in this together, this industry, this family. And there was a family there. There was Sturk and you know Amber and Colonel. They're all there, and then they all started falling apart. But they still wanted to be there for each other. So Boogie Nights kind of helped me understand filmmaking but also the you know sex i guess what it was and what it isn't and that kind of thing um i did a lot of reading too as a kid um angels in america was one of the first plays i've ever you know read i talk about it a lot but that um as a whole that that play that story Mm -hmm. um opened my eyes to more of the gay lifestyle understanding what they are really going through i mean you hear about aids a lot as a kid but you don't really understand it but then you read Angels in America and you understand that there was this pressure on, you know, gay couples and lovers to support. But Lewis was afraid. One of the characters in the play was afraid. Prior, his lover was has AIDS and he ran away from him. He abandoned him. And that happened a lot apparently back then. But it's good seeing that there is fear that there weren't everyone wasn't righteous as saying, hey, I'm going to stick by you through this and this. It was hard. Yeah. And then you have... It also opened my eyes to Mormons, too, because, I mean, I know a lot of Mormons now, and it's, you know, mostly because of reading that and then understanding that they weren't perfect people, that they had, they may come to my door knocking and smiling and talking, but they had other underlying issues. And Angels in America opened my eyes to say they do have depression, they do have concerns and anxieties. So after reading that, I started being the guy in my neighborhood who, when Mormons came in the neighborhood, I had water bottles for them, and I would have them give them water to drink because they're in their second skin and they're wearing these suits and they're hot and they're wearing black. And I imagine walking around and getting rejected all day long is exhausting mentally and physically. So I said, here's water and just talk to me. So we talked That's about everything. Really um, my daughter, um, one of her set of godparents are Mormon. They're back in stateside now from being overseas and we love them. So, so sometimes texts, books, plays can open your eyes to things that you've never experienced before. I mean, even <coughs> he's still with us. Sorry. So <clears throat> don't continue just yet. But we're gonna. Um, but yeah, Ron has something he wants to say. He's gonna. But I'm gonna continue for a little while, a little bit. But yeah, I mean, art as a whole for me does open doors and open um, views and lifestyles. Ron, you were thinking. No, I just <clears throat> swallowed Ron. Okay. I was gonna say. That that you're you're talking about um, the AIDS epidemic. I didn't understand. Have you seen as the and the band and have, the yes. band played on? Matt that is Aldean. that's the movie I saw that opened my eyes to the whole thing. And I learned a lot from that movie. Well, even looking back at in history, and I mean, I was born in '85, um, and even then, knowing what was going on now, looking back. 
it was a scary time because they didn't know much about no. it. So people were having babies and blood being all over the place. I mean, they just didn't know. And they didn't. So much fear can cause so much anxiety and, and both sides. And, and hatred. And hatred. And, and <sighs> yeah. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying I understand now more now more than ever that fear can cause you to do a lot of things well, that you normally wouldn't do. In 93, so, yeah. um, that movie came out, but also so did Philadelphia. Right. And that changed my eyes a lot too. Me too. Yeah. And we just rewatched that yeah. last week as well. So there's that. I mean, I recently we saw, we were talking about Wild Wild Country, about the cult. Um, and again, you think cults are all bad, 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 but then you watch this documentary and you see what people needed at the time from this guru, what they were seeking. And you kind of sympathize a little bit with them where they're trying to fill this piece of them that's missing. And by going and living with this, this commune, this group, they found it. And they were, I think for the most part, harmless. They were just trying to exist and belong someplace. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, like Wild Wild Country is a good example of like, <clears throat> excuse me, is a good example of where I approach this from. I really haven't had anything too eye-opening it's just born more of i'm a big history film person i love watching historical events unfold in film and it's just seeing a different point of view or a different private perspective and for wild wild country it was more of like well I, i'd never really heard of this event it was really enlightening to just you know get get it and the story was told from a very middle of the road they kind of presented to you both Correct. sides of it so it wasn't like, oh, you're going to think this way or you're going to think this way, which you typically would get more from a film. Yeah. Um, a documentary allows it to explore it a little bit. Um, but it's, for me, like, you know, I watched a ton of uh, war movies and Western movies growing up with my father. And I've gained more of an appreciation in the later couple of years when, like, they've gone back and they've just kind of made everything a little bit more real of, like, you know, let's make this war event as true to form as possible. Right. And they just hold nothing back or let's tell this Western story and just show you the brutality of it. And I think like a recent one, um, and I, I didn't give it very high marks at the time and I still really don't because it's just a very depressing movie, but I think it's what you don't see in most Western films was an example was hostiles. Uh, the one that came out with Christian Bale It's just, it was a very brutal movie. It doesn't, you know, the Western culture at that time was not a very happy place to be. I mean, there's not a lot of good that was happening at that time. But that's where things get for me is more of just like looking at a, events in history at a different perspective. And it, it can happen with the same event over and over. I can see like, <laughs> oh, look, here's World War II as told through Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. Or here's World War II as told through The Darkest Hour with one of the best performances by an actor. Um, and so they just, it's like having a, a big painting that's a jigsaw puzzle that just kind of gets, everything just kind of gets put in place and gets a little bit more refined every time you get it, see it because history gets told a little bit better each time or um, you get a little bit more of that feeling of like, oh, these people are actually, you know, they went through hell. I mean, they literally, it wasn't just like, oh, all the glory, you know, rah, 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 everybody wins. It was, you know, these were 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds that gave everything for 
what they did. Right. Right. Kind of I think that a lot of. <clears throat> and I look, what was I doing at 18 and 19 years old? Or, right. Right. You know, I, and that and that's probably where I, I try to do is like I put myself in perspective, like age wise. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, these people are going through this or they're going through this major event in their life in their early 20s. And here I am um, <laughs> almost 40. And what major event have I gone through in my life that even puts me in the realm of understanding? Anything? I totally agree. I think uh, my mother used a lot of film. Basically, like your dad, um, she felt like maybe if I watched it, it would. I, I was in the middle of Kansas and it was I just it was a community of just white people. Like I, you know what I mean? I I didn't have any outside views really of any diversity. Um, and, you know, she's showing me roots. She is showing me, you know, she's making sure that I'm seeing movies that explain different times uh, and how people were treated and how, you know, and I do the same thing with Zoe. And yeah, you, I mean, you, you can watch Gone with the Wind, but you're not getting an understanding of slavery through no. Gone with the Wind. Right. Whereas if you watch Roots or 12 Years a Slave right. or The Color Purple, right. you get a whoa. Yeah. Right. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I, I had thing, you know, I show Zoe some things, um, and I remember, I'm going to get all tear-eyed here, but she, she was really, she was really, um, in first grade, uh, really into Martin Luther King Jr. And the whole, uh, she didn't understand the issues with race at all. And then I, we were talking about, oh, some race riots. And she said, what, you mean, you mean people aren't, the people still don't get along? I said, what do you mean? And she said, she thought that the fact that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated that that would have taught everyone yeah. the that he finished his message and then you know this horrible thing happened but she because of knowing of his teachings and everything like she understood so she didn't understand why it was still going on why other people wouldn't understand it was one of the sweetest moments but you know for children it's so hard and you know um especially if you're not, which is a lot of the ignorance in America today. Um, People don't go out and watch movies that deal with gay teens like Love, Simon, or, you know, they don't go out because they're going to feel uncomfortable or they're going to whatever. And people don't try to understand other cultures because, you know, they're not interested. And that's where I think a lot of this bullshit comes up. You know what I mean? I feel like I, I had never. Well, everybody, everybody, everybody does this to a degree. You kind of create your own little safe space, your own little bubble that makes you feel comfortable. And some of us expand that and keep expanding it, whether that's, you know, 
bringing in other cultures or bringing in different lifestyles and lifestyles, whether living as a, a gay person, you know, that kind of lifestyle, you know, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, not, I know what you're trying to say. But if you if you grow up in a highly religious household, your bubble starts out very small until one day you become friends with them. And then you start realizing, oh, there's this whole community that maybe that was the word I was looking for, not lifestyle. It's just um, it's okay. And, I don't know. I think it's because it's called but, lifestyle so many times. Um, but bringing in. Like the when I brought theater into my life, right. it brought in that whole community with it right. and put my bubble, per se, at a different space than where it was previously and where a lot of the other people that I'd grown up with was mm-hmm. previously. And it, my bubble has just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and especially over the last five, ten years to the point where like I can't see the edges of the bubble anymore. Everything just feels like, okay, this is me. This is who I am. These are the people I want to surround myself with to the point where everything just feels normal instead of me feeling like, oh, I'm touchy, touchy. And that's, I think, a lot of people in different parts of the world is you get so comfortable and you don't want to expand out that. And when you do whether you know it could be the experience of seeing a film or seeing a theater show or reading a book that punctures that bubble just enough to make you reach out and experience something different explaining to your child that yeah you have a lot of food to eat and you're not eating it um and you have you have no idea of what types of other children there are in the world and so i would go on and find you know like um yeah, if, you, if you're only saying, exposed look, to spaghetti or mac and cheese or hamburgers, right. that's all you know. But then you don't realize, oh, there's rice out there. There's steak. There's children there's that don't have any food. People that don't have anything. And right, I'm like, here, look, this child has no food at all. Like, look at these. Like, she. I mean, of course, she doesn't know. Like, I, you know, even seeing movies um, that take place uh, in in different parts of uh, India, and you see. <laughs> Like sometimes, yeah. I don't know. I I've watched movies and have been shocked by my ignorance and the fact that I don't know what the hell's going on in different parts of the world and what they're going through. And it's you know, yeah, we feel really comfortable. But the thing is, my God, there are people going through hell every day, and. We're just trying to figure out what's what we're to make for dinner, and I'm stressed about that. So, I, in a way, that's kind of what I meant, uh, and how people talk to each other, how they relate to other people of all different types. I think film is a great media. I think reading, just anything that brings that into your life, because you're not going to get it through. Well, most people are not going to get it just through people in your family, like talking with people in your family. Well, that's the what I mean. My mom, for the longest time, thought that I was, you know, gay because I didn't have a girlfriend, or I hung around gay people because I was in theater. And she and my dad raised us in a conservative Christian household. So even though my dad was showing me movies that he shouldn't have been showing me, but um, regardless, 
um, my mom didn't understand because even there's a film I watched recently, a few years back, Lawrence Anyways, which is about a man who decides he wants to become a woman and he's with his partner Fred, who's a woman, and you would think it'll be a happy, feel-good film, but it's real. I mean, Xavier Dolan did a slice of life film where Fred is not actually content with the transformation transition, and she's battling it the whole time internally, and then she finally like leaves Lawrence. You know, you know, she's comes and goes, comes and goes, which is real life. Like you're not sure, and mm-hmm. Lawrence is still doing his thing and becoming a she, and decides not to have plastic surgery. He just wants to age like she was supposed to all along, and not get you look young, but just age, and. It's just remarkable seeing that not everything is perfect, not everything is great. And I like films that are like the Divines I talked about in the earlier part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. I like movies, and they happen to be French, by the way, that are real to life, that show that people are struggling, that, that do have rust and bone. There are issues we have, and they're not hiding them. Right. I mean, even Amelie is fantastic. In yes. a, in, in, yes. But it's still, you're talking about a woman who's so insecure and so comfortable in her bubble that when it's literally you know burst... She's seeking something else, and she goes looking for it, no matter what it costs. And that's what I want to see. I want to see not the struggles of people, but I want to see real life, and I want to be able to empathize and understand, at least not close myself off to it. Right. Like, people don't like Mormons, and I don't understand why. They're the nicest people I've ever— Yeah, I know. There's a lot of anti-Mormon, you know, (laughs) really, and it bothers me. So, And not because I am best friends with some, but because they really— There's this whole— sister wives thing like oh they can marry multiple you know wives and oh blacks are not allowed in the Mormon church and it's like stuff that's not true at all if yet you read the history and you understand where these thoughts came from and where but people don't want to read they just want to latch on to something that sounds just outlandish and just ride with it and that offends me not because I'm friends with them but because it's just disrespectful and wrong so and I don't know if I'm stepping on toes or not but it's just it's okay. Please read. Please try to understand before you just repeat. all religions. Yeah. So I mean, or I, I, not, or no religions at all. I think I fall prey to this as well. With um, I hear talk about stepping on toes with the Christian religion, and I mean, I grew up in a Methodist church, um, and not not I not really knowing what that means. I still don't really know what that means. Um, and I have lots of friends that are Catholic and I have lots of, you know, and I, the Christian religion has held so many negative feelings for me only because of some of the people that I've come in contact right. with. So people judging people because of one or two people in a certain religion, which happens all over the world. So, I mean, I guess that's why we... Um, struggle. We, I, I mean, meaning, I, I should say, I. Why I struggle with coming down and saying, okay, we are going to have a re- like we are going to be in a certain religion. Um, I just would rather them the girls understand all of religions, including people that don't have one. Right. And it's important in my family, too, that I may be Christian, but I still want my daughter and my son to understand that there are other faiths out there. There are other people who may disagree with what you're thinking or what you believe, but we still need to love them and not hate them because they may think the same thing about you. They may not like you or what you're saying. And my big thing is just love one another the best you can. That's my life philosophy. That's what I live by. 
everything else doesn't matter to me. So if you can love someone else, even if you a little bit don't like them, love goes a lot longer than hate. So hate is starting something in you that doesn't help anyone, even yourself. It just causes more illness in you and causes you more stress. And of course, <laughs> what, did, what did Yoda say about hate? <laughs> <laughs> I I, th- I think the the wrap up here would be, you know, pop your bubble as soon as you can, please, <laughs> and start getting out there and learning about other people and other stuff. Watching the right, whether it <laughs> be through film and or a book or going out and seeing a play expanding your horizon to the point where <clears throat> you can be inclusive of everybody and everything. Um, the good things in life, not the, the fringes that are the stuff that'll drag you into that hatred. Anything like, I know this sounds well, not anything. No, what I'm trying to say, <laughs> don't go watching that KKK film. Cause yeah. that might be a bad That's movie. what I'm saying. I'm saying, well, yeah. I was saying that make sure that we were watching good stuff, yeah. but even last night, um, I've seen the movie, but even last night it, it made it more real, but, um, I don't know what it's like to sit and audition for something and watching course line and, you know, Kinder kept leaning over. This is what it's like. This is what it's like. Oh my God. Yeah. You should watch Submissions Only. My friends did that. It's on YouTube. Submissions Only is the uh, web series on YouTube. The last season, the 23 series, seasons, but it shows what it's like to be a working actor in New York City and how auditions work. And you may laugh at it, but this is what people do every day. And you respect actors even more when you watch that. I will link to that in our blip. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our stew for today. Next show, um, we are going to be continuing our director series, and we'll be talking about the fabulous Wes Anderson. And one of the films that we're going to talk about, as it's just hopefully, according to Google, just got released, (laughs) is Isle of Dogs is now out for us to rent. So that is where we are going to head. So if you want to be a little informed on our opinions coming to that, go out and rent it. And uh, we will definitely be talking about Wes Anderson and all of his kooky, quirky, fun stuff. Awesome. Um, so let's reach into our grab bag. What do we got in the kids' corner? Oh, kids' corner. I went to go see... Uh, Hotel, Hotel Transylvania. Very nice. Three. <laughs> it's a summer vacation with... Um, Adam Sandler basically is the as Dracula. I guess what's her bucket is uh, the the what's her name? Oh, she's Justin Bieber's old flame. I can't even think of her name. And Keep she going. she's the the little girl. And I can't think of her name. I apologize, everyone who follows her, and she's a big singer right now. But anyway, um, Ariana Grande. No. no. <laughs> She's they, like they were back and forth, back and forth. Those two, Taylor anyway. Swift, uh, the one from High School Musical. Um, no, 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 Justin Bieber, Gomez. Yes. Okay. Selena Gomez. I, I don't know. I just guess. Good job. Anyway, so we went to go see that last uh, yesterday morning. Um, just I will say that they take us away from the hotel, and oh, so that didn't work for me. Um, we get comfortable things and we like them and I didn't like, they go on a cruise and it it didn't work for me. And my five-year-old was twitchy. I got up several times because I didn't really care if I missed anything. 
Um, Jason kind of giggled, but the man has been working his tail off. And I think that just <laughs> getting out of the house and focusing on something else was nice for him. So I think he enjoyed the time off. Um, and Zoe, I think she liked it okay. Um, but is it as good? The first one was okay. The second one was really funny. I thought it was really funny. And this one was just not that great. I, I, however, is summertime and I'm biased. I'm, I get quickly biased. So take your kids. If you want to get out of the heat, I'm sure that they will probably find something funny and to laugh at. Harper did my five-year-old. She did laugh, belly laughs a couple times. Also one other quick one, um, summer camp friends for life. It's actually an American girl, but it doesn't seem to come across that, but, um, it's on Amazon and it takes place at a steam camp, which is science, technology, engineering, math, kind of nerdy kids, but their counselor takes them away from their gadgets and lets them explore nature. And it's 30 minutes long, but it's very cute. And, uh, both my girls liked it. So five and eight. Those are my two recommends. Cool. Um, <clears throat> I got nothing for Kids Corner. Uh, score of the week, I will highly recommend the Westworld Season 2 is now out on Spotify. Um, Jason's that's really digging it. Ramin Juwadi. Is he? Yeah. I, I think it's awesome. I, it's, he really digs it. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with any of it, um, Ramin kind of takes a lot of uh, classical hits and turns them over into piano works and gives them an old timey feel, but everything on its, it's basically, it's, it's very core down. It's piano and it's a little bit of orchestral. I meant Westworld in general. <clears throat> oh, Westworld in general. Yeah. Sorry. Good. So now you just listen to the music. You'll get a kick out of it. I mean, you'll recognize like, I'm sure you know, that I will paint it black. Like you know, you'll recognize some Nirvana comes to there. It does seven nation army in a cool. Indian theme. Hmm. Um, oh, that's cool. Okay. A heart shaped box, you know, like, yeah. Oh, definitely. So, and that, that's just from season two. Season one had a bunch of stuff in there as well. Um, but it's, it's fantastic music. So I really enjoyed that. And then, uh, that's all I got for right now. There hasn't been a lot of releases lately or anything that's piqued my interest too much. Anthony's got something in there. Um, so let's see here. I was actually on Rockify because that's the thing I talked about last time. It's Jackson Cavalier has started a group on Facebook where we can find local artists and listen to them. He picks them at random and just lets us listen to their goodness. I recently discovered the uh, band Talking Underwater. And Talking Underwater is a band that um, is Rochester-based, obviously. Uh, but it's mostly sad songs played by very happy people. Um, it's uh, <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. I can see, I'm going to ask them if I can link some of their songs and our links, but they're just really like folky, like really like uh, old like, school and cool, kind of dreary in that way, but just they're, they, dreary, they, but very happy. But yeah. We're talking about sad issues, you know, things that are really like depressing, but they're not shy to not talk about them. They want to talk about these things and they want to have them out there. So you're not alone. So you're, it's not like angsty, like I'm bitter. It's just like running away from home or being homesick. Like Nomad is one cool. of the songs I listen to a lot. Um, um, Freezing is another song, too. It's just about all our insecurities are played out in these songs. The band composes of uh, Dave on guitar, lead singer. Elsie, who's on cello. We have another piano player, Colin. Sam is on vocals and Matt on drums. But um, I wonder if they're playing around here. 
they should be there around. I mean, oh, totally. Go see them. They have Sounds two cool. albums out, and they have a website. It's talkingunderwater.bandcamp.com. Cool. But give them a listen to. Um, they're local, and we should support our local artist. Awesome. Cool. Um, I have a game of the week. I, I don't know if I talked about this one. I think last show. Um, but I, I know I started it after oh, the last oh, yes, show. Um, God of War 3 fantastic visuals over the top fantastic visuals yeah i did talk about it because i talked about about his like you can see the scraggling his beard yeah um and constantly i'm like my girls were walking into the room just like whoa and my my youngest who really likes games she's it kept drawing her attention as to the level of detail um but i finally got through that really enjoyed it fun storyline um the girls kept getting a kick out of it because it draws kratos draws a lot of um the greek and uh, Viking mythology of the gods. And so they kept hearing like things from like, oh, Loki and Thor and Ragnarok, like all these different events that they're like, they're connecting to the Marvel universe. I'm of like, course. well, now you're hearing them in a different context because they're actually taking from Norse mythology. That's interesting. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, looking forward to more games coming on uh, as we enter the fall. So there's some good stuff coming in. So. Cool. Book of the week. You got a couple in there. I have a couple books actually. I finally finished the World Only Spins Forward: The Ascent of Angels in America by Isaac Butler and Dan Coyce. Uh, this is a very long read. It reads kind of like a documentary transcript, but it's basically pieced together interviews from various people who had a say in the making of Angels in America and who were a part of it. So not just Tony and you know Walter Kerr and all of them. It's just everyone who's ever been a part of it enjoyed it and. It comes on the heels of Angels Being on Broadway, and it came out a couple months ago. But it's a very good read, actually. Do you think you can get it at the library? Not yet. Okay. I bought it at Barnes and Noble. But, um, yeah, it's a very thick. But very, if you're into theater history or understanding how theater works or just the magic of uh, – it's thinner than John Adams, and I've read it twice. So, um, yeah, <laughs> um, it's just something that you – can't put down if you enjoy Angels in America or you just love theater. Um, cool. And side note, John Adams, I read it twice because I read it initially and then I read it again after the series came on HBO with the great Paul Giamatti and Laura Dern. Um, yeah. I also read uh, The Flick and Circle of Mirror Transformation by Annie Baker. I want to say this. I'm not trying to offend anyone here in Rochester, but it's one thing seeing these plays and how they're played out and then reading them. So there are outstanding performances in these shows when I saw them locally, not knocking anyone's performance or direction. I'm just saying I enjoyed reading them more so. You got to see the dialogue. Because That's Annie like Baker a movie and a book. Yeah, yeah. Annie Baker has a habit of like my dialogue, we cut other people off when they're talking. So there's a lot of overlapping in dialogue. And it's nice to see what the actor actually was trying to say before the overlap happened. And I don't know, I just like hyperrealism. As a genre, it's my favorite genre in theater and film, and I tend to write that way. So it's great. What's the flick about? The flick's about three workers in a downtrodden uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts theater, the last of three indie houses that show only film on film. It's a play. Oh, that's cool. JCC did it a year or so back, and again, it took me a while to get my hands on it because I had seen it, and I wanted to separate myself from seeing it and to just be able to read it and not have my friends who are actors in the show pop in my head in. Cool. Talk to me. And Circle? And Circle was done many years ago by Circle. Circle was done by Out of Pocket with uh, Jeff Sadua and his wife, Stephanie. 
Um, again, good actors in a production, but I had to step away from that and then read it. Um, so good, it's good to read a play either before you watch it or after, so you can see. Or if you want to write one. Yeah, that too. Um, the more you read, the more you know, you understand. <laughs> Sorry. And the better you become understanding your voice. <laughs> That's just a little writing tip. If you want to My write better, went right there too. Read more. <laughs> I know. I know. The more you Are know. You? <laughs> yeah. Read when, more. When you know better, write you better. Do better. Yeah. So that's what I have. Cool. Uh, moving on to the radar and queue. I'll go out first. Um, I watched a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, Glow season two came out. Uh, blew through that in about a day. Really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I actually think I teared up in the last episode. Holy crap. Um, and it's just more like, cause emotional payoffs, oh. you know, I love those there and they happen at weird points for me. And it was just one of those like, Oh, I'm glad that happened kind of thing. <laughs> and then, uh, Luke Cage season two. Uh, I don't know if that was out right before we did the last show or not, but I did you, go through you that. You were trying to finish it. You loved it. Last. Um, it's a solid, solid series. Still good. Um, actually subscribed to Hulu for once <clears throat> to start checking off some of the things on there. Uh, the first one I took out was Marvel's Runaways. Um, wanted to check out that. I'd heard good things about it, so wanted to get through that. Um, liked it, enjoyed the season. Um, some changes I would have made, but I'm not familiar too much with the Runaways comic, so it was nice to just uh, walk in there and not have any uh, knowledge of what was going to go on right. with the the thing at all and then uh listening um listening to uh mission impossible fallout score because that is coming out in the next couple weeks before our next show so that'll be one of the things that are on my radar is mission impossible 6 and been trying to stay away from stuff that's coming out but i've heard really good things about the sixth one okay um so this is interesting they're, they're saying it's the the best coming out so we also got Equalizer 2. Um, I wanted to see Sorry to Bother You this week. Didn't give a chance. Um, so I'm going to try to sneak that in before it goes out of theater because it doesn't seem like it's going to be one of the ones that are going to stick around for a long time. Okay. Um, and Sicario as well, but that's already being pushed out of theater, so that that's going to move off pretty quickly. And then in my queue, I'm finishing up uh, Bosch Season 4. I'm about six episodes in. Um, this is a, a nice hidden gem. If you like cop dramas um it's a family drama with a nice slow burn and valerie is over here overheating as it's starting to get a lot in the studio right now um but bosch is a nice hidden gem on amazon that if you've got some time and you really want to watch something that's solidly written and solidly acted titus welliver uh is the lead actor on it and it's just phenomenal watching him over the course of the series and all the, the, the secondary actors are great I heard too. It's good. Um, like, but it's just, it's, it's just one of those that's like, yeah, it, it moves a little slowly, but it's honest. It's real. It doesn't feel like anything's over the top. It doesn't, you know, you don't have any over the top action or drama. It's just this, what happens. Hmm. And, um, I felt really good watching the show. So that's my Raider. That's my cue. Tony. Okay, so I watched uh, Friends from College. That's a key um, film on Netflix. Um, there's also Fred Savage is in it, which is remarkable because I haven't seen him in a, long, a lot of stuff. He's been behind the scenes doing a lot of stuff for Disney Channel and ABC Family. But uh, it's good to have him uh, doing acting again. 
Uh, friends from college briefly is about friends who have left college for years and get back together in New York City and how they have not stopped their juvenile immature antics and how it affects their families now and their other relationships with each other and other people as a whole. I'd recommend that. It's really nostalgic, and if you pay attention, there's a lot of songs from the 90s that pop up on a radio station they listen to. I think we got through one episode, and I stopped watching. It takes a lot to get into it. It took me three to finally get into a groove. I said, I can enjoy this, but it's kind of... I I, I don't know if it was just like the college connection, because I just didn't go to college, so it would be like friends from high school? Kind of, But there's like a whole different premise there. Right. But... Um, I will have The Clapper on my queue on uh, things on Netflix. The Clapper is Ed Helms, I think. It's about a guy whose job is to clap uh, obnoxiously during audience tapings of shows. And um, I saw trailers for it on YouTube, and now it's finally on Netflix. But uh, it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be about how his job is slowly dwindling and coming out of fashion. And it's just really, it looks like a good time. I also have coming up, I have DBCs, or Dream Visual I Creates, production of Disenchanted, which is a... Um, adaptation of Dracula with pop music. So we'll see how that goes. And also, JCC is doing Dogfight, which will be coming up next week, all next week. We plan on going. And I'll be, you know, doing my thing at these shows. So that's my radar. That's what I'll be doing. So. Awesome. I, uh, mine are quick. I want to see <laughs> Leave No Trace that's in theaters now with Ben Foster. I love Ben Foster. Oh. I'll watch pretty much anything he's well, in. Leave No Trace. Is out in theaters now. Um, He's been in some bad stuff too. Isn't that Lance Armstrong film? Yeah. Um, yeah. But he plays it's Lance Armstrong. It's basically, uh, it seems to be about a father and daughter who live, it kind of sounds like that other film, but anyway, who live out in the wilderness and they're living on private property and they pick them up and then they try to have them live. In, home, in a house and it just doesn't work so they're trying to get back out to the wilderness and live and I don't know it looked good to me um, so that's on Netflix no 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 Amazon. that's out in theaters uh, okay yeah I so um, I think it's at the little and somewhere else um, and on Amazon <laughs> even though Rotten Tomatoes gave this 22% I really don't care um, remembering <laughs> we have to rewind back to that episode where she says she doesn't see anything if it's under a I know, certain but percentage. <laughs> remember, are they removing that now or no? With I what taking away, isn't Netflix taking away reviews and user reviews or is that something I I don't know, know but Peter Dinklage is in it. Ooh, Peter, and I love him. And I just think it sounds interesting. What's it's about? Uh, it's a, a guy. He's an amateur sleuth. Anyway, but he steals a machine. <laughs> That can extract, record, and play memories. This kind of sounds like um, Minority Report or whatever. Um, of uh, of people, like of another person. And so he uses a, the device to try to solve mysteries. Uh, and the death of the man who invented it. Interesting. I think it sounds kind of interesting myself. But um, it does have like... Um, 85% of Google users like the movie. So, I don't know. 6.21 IMDb. I don't know. I don't really care right now. I I think it's not interesting to watch, so I, I might to watch it. Okay. There you have it. Awesome. Thank you for a great show. Um, 
Tony, where can we find you on social media? I'm on Facebook and on Twitter at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. Valerie. Okay. I am VB Vidmar on Twitter. And you can find me pretty much everywhere as GF Media or GF Media CEO. And by everywhere, I mean pretty much every single social media site is one of those two. Um, you can find us at culturalstew.net, at culturalstew.net on Twitter, and culturalstew on Facebook. And please, if you're listening, send us a review. Send us some feedback, anything. Even if you don't like Communicate us. with us on Facebook. Communicate with us on Twitter. Let us know you're out there. We have listeners. I know that. I see the tracking. I know there's people listening. And if you want us to have a certain <laughs> subject to talk about. If there's something interesting you want us to talk about, is there a certain movie you want us to see or to talk about? Or do you really want to criticize one of our critiques on something? So, Or do we mess up on something? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So, there you go. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Ciao. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.